0: Portions of I on Real Estate, sponsored by Hemp Leaf. We won't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body.
2: Good morning, good morning everyone. I'm Dottie Herman. Welcome to Ion Real Estate. You know what I say about real estate? I say it's the universal language. Everyone wants to know about it. Everyone wants to learn about it. It doesn't matter where you live, how big your house is, how small your house is. If you rent, your home is your castle. So please tune into the show live on Saturdays at am970theanswer.com or am970 the mobile app on iHeartRadio. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, at Dottie Herman. And uh, please visit www.dottieherman.com for exciting news and latest information. I do a newsletter, and a lot of it is based on some of the things that you've asked me. If you have any questions along the way, please feel free to call us at 866-970-9622, and even if we can't get you on the air, we'll try to answer your questions. We have a very special guest today. We have Wendy Fetterman, and she's the theater and film producer. Uh, Let me put it this way. She's an icon. She's going to talk about what's going on with theater, and um, we have Jason Green, who Made that lovely cream that I think is luscious, okay. And so he's going to be on talking about some of his latest things that he's working on. And my co host is Stephen Ebert, I'm sure you all know him since you all write how great you think he is, and he really is. And Stephen, ever if I always say it wrong, it's Ebert, okay. I'm <laughs> sorry, Stephen. And he's a partner at the prestigious firm Caston and Caston, located in Westchester. And he's going to fill us in on the latest legal developments in the business. And remember, knowledge is power. So don't, don't forget. And you'll, and, okay? I just want to just share with you, before I do, I'm going to give you the uh, decade. I mean, there's a decade report. There are 10 year reports for the last 10 years on the tri state. But I just want to tell you, Steve. Someone bought me tickets to uh, Michael Feinstein, and he saluted Judy Garland's on her 100th birthday. Now, she was kind of a little before her times, although my favorite song is Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And uh, it was produced uh, by her daughter, Liza Minnelli. And it's all the stories of her life and all the songs she sang. And I have to tell you, it was just spectacular. And i really enjoyed it. I haven't been to something like that for a while. Before we get going, and we have a lot of stuff to share with you, and I try to share some of the things that you are most interested in, and therefore when you send me things about flipping and real estate as an investment, or do you think we should buy in 20, and we should buy this year, should we wait? We, I try to cover them, and some of the topics will take longer than others, so some I have to do over the weeks. But I do try to answer your questions and get you up on whatever you need to know, because I do think right now in this time and space, it's a great time to invest in real estate. You just have to stick with it. Before I do that, I want to give you the um, market reports, the decades. This is from 2013 to 2022. They're the highlights of the decade. So despite doubling mortgage rates sales only slipped and listing inventory rose nominally higher so now we're talking about a 10-year time robust sales momentum in 2021 enables sales to reach their second highest total on record in 2022 despite the spike mortgage rates Um, that's uh, for Manhattan listing inventory edged a little bit higher but was consistent with the two decade average. So the listing inventory in Manhattan is pretty much back to kind of what it's been for the last 10 years uh, by bedrooms and you know if you live in this well if you live in Manhattan and I guess if you're buying a house it would be the same uh, the medium sales price rose annually across the, the board okay with four bedrooms okay so four bedroom sales in Manhattan saw the most growth in price and there's not that many four bedroom sales. So maybe that's why sales expanded by bedroom for all sizes. Okay. Except for studios, which is odd, but maybe not because I'm thinking Steve, maybe because maybe people weren't traveling or in the pandemic. I don't know. I'm not sure why, but everything increased other than studios. Townhouses. Now, you have to guess that even though townhouses only make up 2% of Manhattan's market, the year ended with record prices, elevated sales, and listing inventory below pre-pandemic level, which means we have less inventory in townhouses, and we didn't have a lot to begin with. It only makes 2% of the market, but we have less inventory now than we did before the pandemic now again I am guessing my guess is that with the pandemic everyone wanted to kind of be in their own space and they were afraid to live next to anyone or be in an apartment so it really brought townhouses up all price trend indicates that um, rose. that all all the trends rose annually in uh, townhouses now sales flipped a little from last year but let me tell you this. This is, if you, and Steve, see if you agree with me. I don't think 2020 and 21 is really a good comparison to base whether sales are good or not. Do you?
3: I, I agree with you. I mean, you need a much bigger sample size. Plus, that was a time period with a lot of shocks to the market. I mean, what's great is that so many people, in a way, are sort of quickly getting over things and moving forward, which is wonderful. But but the reality is there were major, major shocks from the pandemic, major, major displacement, major economic changes. And um, those, those are some really unusual years. So I completely agree with you. You definitely yeah. want to have a bigger sample size.
2: It, it wasn't an average year. Now, where can, I'm doing the 10-year report, but when you listen to people tell you, okay, 2023 compared to 2021, we had more sales. Well, if you go back, especially if you lived in New York, everybody got out. They either got out of New York, they moved in with somebody, or they looked for an apartment that was larger because they were locked down and they had to do their work from home. So it's kind of like, you know, a a catastrophic thing happened, COVID. And so I don't like to use that comparison. I try to use 2019 right before the pandemic. But now we're talking about the 10-year report, which really is amazing. But going back to townhouses, the number of luxury listed expanded year over year, but remained well below pre-pandemic periods, meaning we had less inventory than we had then. And the average width of a luxury townhouse was the narrowest since 2014. Now, if you know townhouses in New York City, there's a lot of floors usually, but they're narrow. Okay. Um, Single-family homes in Manhattan slipped from last year's record to the second highest in 25 years of tracking. So the prices are still good. The market share of townhouse sales as compared to total residential sales remained just above 2%. Now, in 2023, new signed contracts, uh, New York reports, and and Manhattan, Brooklyn, Long Island, Manhattan's newly signed contracts. Now, when we say newly signed contracts, that means people signed a contract to buy a home, but actually did not close on it yet. And so you don't get that information. By the time you would read information it's already closed, and that's sometimes three or four years, three or four months behind. So I'm giving you current, current, current. So new signed contracts in Manhattan declined month over month for the second time in four months as new listings expanded. So we did get more listings, and um, we don't have many, but we have a little bit more. And one of the reasons I think that they would be more sales is if we had more inventory. There's pretty much a shortage of inventory in most places in the United States. Brooklyn, those of you who live in Brooklyn, newly signed contracts decline month over month for the second time in five months. Again, I wouldn't go by a month and we're in this you know, we're in the winter and generally in the winter I always tell people, Stephen, I was like, if somebody's gonna come out in freezing weather to look at a house there might be less buyers, but the buyers that are out there are usually pretty serious. So don't, don't underestimate them. Okay, so Brooklyn uh, newly signed contracts was just a little offset, but it's pretty cool. Long Island newly started contracts expanded again month over month for the first time since August, because for a while it was quiet. It started building back up. Uh, the annual decline in new listings has partially offset the year. Over year fall in newly signed contracts. Now, what that all means is there was less contracts, but there was also less listing inventory. So when there's no, when there's more buyers than there is listings, it elevates prices. Uh, the North Fork again decreased month over month, but usually the North Fork's not busy in the, in, in in the winter months. Westchester. Ge- Newly signed contracts have decreased month over month since May as new listings rose for the first time since June. So for those of you looking in new, in Westchester, there's more listings coming out. We don't have an oversupply of them, and I would not call it a buyer's market, but I wouldn't call it a seller's market. I'm calling it a, a return to normalcy. Um, in Fairfail, there were more contracts, and Greenwich contracts decreased, month over month for three months. But let me say this, before the pandemic, and I'm using my memory here, in 2019 when Jersey went up and New York went up and Long Island went up and all the tri-states were all going up, Connecticut was a slow mover and I could never understand it. So they're uh, really catching up because there's good values. In the Hamptons, again, the listing inventory rose annually to the second level on record, less than half of pre-pandemic levels. So they have very little listings. So if you're looking there, please. Well, if you're looking anywhere, you've got to be diligent, you've got to stick with it. You might have to make a couple of offers and you might get rejected sometimes, but remember, stick with it, okay? And also remember that you know you this is it's a big job to go house hunting, and so you just and when your broker calls you up and tells you, hey, a house just came on the market, it's brand new, you come and see it, you really have to drop everything and go see it, uh, and you might not like it, so it's work, but if you don't do that, something good sometimes usually goes right away. And uh, there's not too many listing discounts. And Long Island, price trends rose year over year on Long Island to the highest level on record. How's that for those Long Islanders? Not for miles. Listing inventory rose annually to the second lowest level on record. So it's all doing well we have still pretty much across the country very little inventory. You know, it's a better than it was. You're not going to quite see as many sales. It's the middle of winter, and even though seasonality doesn't play as important a role as it once did, uh, I think we had so much movement, as, I, as Stephen said, in 2020 and 2021. And because, again, I will always stress when it's my opinion, there's so many uncertainties in the world now. You know, they say, oh, depression, we might have a depression, we might have a recession, we might have this, and then we hear of layoffs. And when people hear things and they hear like all these uncertainties, they tend to to kind of hold off and back off and, you know, say, let me see what, what I, you know, let me wait. And what I'm telling you is this, you cannot classify sales altogether. Every homeowner is different. Everyone has a different need. You might find a homeowner that bought something and needs to get out in. And I will tell you that I say this every week. It's not like 21 or 20 where you can't even try to negotiate. You know, in a good way, you know, again, you're not going to get everything you want, even if you built a brand new house today. Uh, there would be things that you said, oh, I wish I would have done different. You just got to stick with it and see everything as soon as it comes out. And, of course, you know, so we'll talk about the luxury market next year. I will tell you that okay of next week, next year, I mean, uh you know it's it's doing well, not as well as it's in the pandemic, but it's doing well and uh just for your information, billionaire Carlos slim, New York city's mega mansion is back on the market I guess he took it off and sometimes people do that when it's on the market for a while and it's not selling then they take it off so he took it off the market and it's for 80 million and it's a 20,000 square foot mansion across from the Met and it's the largest home on the market in all of the five boroughs uh, the landmark Upper East Side property is directly across from Central Park and the Metropolitan Museum of Art It's in a great location and it's the priciest townhouse on the market in New York City, according to the records. It's five floors and twenty thousand square feet. So anyone by interested, anyone interested, by all means call me. I'll make sure you get a special appointment. And it returned to the market early. You know, it was on the market in twenty one and Friday it returned to the market again. I guess with the pandemic, they just decided to keep it off the market. So before, you know, so a real estate, you know, more buyer homebuyers are jumping back into the market as the year kicks off. So it's a good time to buy. And remember, every homeowner has a different need. So when they say the market's good, the market's bad, you can get good deals and you can do well in any real estate market. You just have to deploy different strategies in different markets. Now, Steve... Whatever you can add, because Steve does only real estate. He's a real estate attorney, and I always stress this. This is one of the most important investments in your life. You should use a real estate attorney. Don't use a real attorney that does everything. I mean, forget about that. What are you seeing, and what are some of the new things legally that are coming up?
3: Well, a few things on the market, Dottie. One, it definitely depends on the area which you're rightfully pointing out. Um, I think the biggest issue is having the right kind of quality inventory. So I'll start with the Westchester market and work my way south from there. Um, you have a classic case still of more buyers uh, than sellers um, with, with product out there. And, and I think and, and you're seeing that story repeat itself in different areas in, in New York. And I think you have a couple of reasons for that. Number one, if you're selling, you have to move somewhere. And if you have a 3% mortgage and you want to buy a new place, and at the new place the mortgage is 5%, 6%, that really can't give the economics for you. So even though sellers, I think, would be happy with the price that they could get and the market is vibrant, the fact is they're concerned where they're going. And this might be leading to one of the other trends going on, but there was a very interesting article that just came out in the past week about there is a significant increase and I think a tripling of the number of people who are millionaire uh, income earners renting as opposed to to buying.
2: Steven, this is too important, too important to talk during the commercial. We're going to continue with Steve's read on what's going on in the market and some new legal things that are happening. We have a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with my co-host for the first hour, Stephen Everett.
0: Listen to AM 970, The Answer, on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com.
4: Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Local Business Owner, do you get calls from multiple digital marketing firms trying to sell you the quick fix to your marketing challenges? Maybe you've bought the latest tactic that some hotshot sold you and you're wondering where your results are. The problem is, you know you need to market your business. But trusting a partner, well, that's been a challenge. Our solution for many local business owners is through our digital marketing solutions, Salem Surround. Salem Surround is unique because we're based on the same guiding principles that Salem Media is.
5: Orange basketball looks to snap a three-game skin and take the season series with Boston College. Saturday's game tips off in Chestnut Hill at 5. We have Orange pregame at 4.30. On AM 970, the answer. New York's home for Syracuse University basketball.
0: You're smart, you're busy, and don't have time to waste on the mainstream media cycle. Salem News Channel. Breaks that cycle. Topics that matter from hosts worth watching. Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. Salem News Channel. Not like the other guys. Watch anytime, on any screen, free, 24-7. Find everything you need to know at snc.tv. That's snc.tv.
2: This is Dottie Herman, Vice Chair of Douglas Elman, host of Ion Real Estate on AM 970, the answer. Listen, I just discovered a new line of skincare products that I have to tell you about. I've tried many products that have been on the market for many years. So that's why I'm so excited by Hef Leaf. The Vanilla Passion Skin Cream is soft and the scent is very calming. The feeling on my skin, well, what can I say? It is really just amazing. It's not all greasy, it absorbs immediately. And I can feel as soon as it goes onto my skin, my skin really perking up. The black soap, while it may look less than inviting, was the most amazing surprise to me. It's smooth and creamy and makes my skin feel soft and very hydrated. I'm really looking forward to trying the rest of the product line and sharing my thoughts with you. I would never put anything on my body that I wouldn't put it on myself. And later on, we'll have the guy who invented and who made the. The cream, Jason. Okay. But you should visit and make sure to visit us at www.hempleaf. That's hempleaf, which is H E M P L I E F dot com. You're going to love it.
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or Odyssey.com.
5: This is Dennis Prager inviting you to join me for a memorable travel opportunity that will be a highlight of your life. Mike Gallagher and I are headed again back to Israel in October for the Stand with Israel Tour. Join us along with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. We'll visit key sites in the Holy Land thoughtfully designed to give you unprecedented access to a region you may have only read about. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details. We'll uncover important geopolitical sites and show you Israel's significance on the world stage. You'll set foot on the ancient Streets of Jerusalem, sail the Sea of Galilee, pray at the Western Wall, and much more. We'll have guides specifically for our group, lavish accommodations, and I will even broadcast my show from Israel. No other trip will be like the Stand With Israel Tour. Come with Mike Gallagher and me this October. Register today. Call 855 565 5519. 855 565 5519. Or just go to standwithisraeltour.com. Stand With Israel Tour. Com.
1: Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Ion on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
2: Good morning. I'm Dottie Herman. I'm co-hosting with Stephen Everett, who is the best real estate attorney that I know of. I would only have the best on my show And Stephen, you were in the middle of talking about some things that are going on in New York City. So I didn't want you to talk during the music of a break. So you want to continue with what you were telling everybody about?
3: Of course. Thanks, Dottie. So, yeah, what we're really seeing is an interesting trend that's been going on for a few years now. That an increase in the number of high-income, you know, top millionaires um, renting. Um, So, for example... Um, from 2015 to 2020, there was a nearly 200% increase in millionaire households renting in New York, um, and before. And by the way, this is not just a New York trend. Um, we're seeing this in some of the New York area communities, like for example, Jersey City, there's a great stat in 2015, there were zero households that earned over a million a year that we're renting, and now there's 104 households. Um, we've seen major increases in San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Nashville, a number of cities. Now, we got to keep in mind percentages versus aggregate numbers, right? These are still a small number of households compared to the total population of these areas. But when you start looking a little deeper and you start seeing and you start putting a profile up of what kind of jobs are they in, technology, legal, finance, for example, you're getting into an interesting question of, you know, putting down roots versus mobility um, in job in the job market. Um, so it's an interesting trend that's out there. And it goes to show you that cities still need to make their case that they are the right place for people to stay and make a career. And... You know, Some people might say, oh, the reason that they're renting instead of buying is because of the amount of money they need to save up and and so forth, or maybe interest rates. That might be part of it, Dottie, on the margin, but also I think it's an important sign where in these industries, for these high-wage earners, there's a mobility option that didn't really exist a number of years ago, and that's really important for cities to really be on track and continue to make the case for this is where those highway turners really want to be and make their career and life.
2: That's so true. So you cities better get with it because people have choices now. Uh, I, I As I said before, I think that a lot of the trends that we saw happen quicker than they would, they were probably going to happen anyway, but they were expedited with covid and you have millennials and you have the Generation Y, or is it X or Y, um, and they're not like the baby boomers, okay? They uh, don't necessarily want to be in one place for a long time. Um, they want to have a lot more balance. Um, they generally like nice things, uh, but they always want to be connected. Uh, they don't necessarily need mansions. So you have to look at their trends, and they don't want to work. You know, people got used to working at home. And so a lot of companies are using it as an incentive uh, that you don't have to work every day in the office. At that same token, just personally, Steve, I don't know about you, but I think that, you know, I think it's nice to have, like, maybe a long weekend. Maybe you don't have to come in the office on a Friday or something, but... I do think you lose something by not being around coworkers, workers and, and seeing them and, and interacting in person. Because although Zoom is, look, during the pandemic, the first Zoom call I did, I was so happy because we could talk to people finally together. Uh, but that doesn't really replace being around people. So I think it's kind of going to end up kind of in a combination. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think what we're getting to is, is a big question of how do we define community and culture? So both work and also living. So going back to the, the renters for a second, I think you see the trends of, well, wait a minute, the cost of being in communication and the quality of communication, the costs have gone down and the quality has gone up. So right when I was thinking about it, when, when we were younger, if you needed to be in touch with friends or family across the country, you had to pay long distance. You know, if you ask a 20-something-year-old when you make a phone call, do you know what a long distance charge is or regional calling charge is? And they're gonna look at you and have no idea. So the idea that your phone number in the country doesn't even matter, right? You, you may have a cache, you may wanna know where you're from, but the reality is if I call one area code or another, it doesn't really make a difference in the price. So what's interesting about that is that how people are interacting, right? It used to be, oh, people from the neighborhood, but I, I think that's, that's changing because people can very much interact in a different way, which goes in with this trend of mobility. And yet, you see, so you can still keep your community and have some level of roots, not, not quite the same, but you have some level of continuity of community, even though you're bouncing around. You know, when it now switching gears to the work side of things, I 100% agree you know these technical advancements are wonderful assisting tools right now now we can maybe for another show get into this whole phenomenon of AI artificial intelligence and the right. chat GBT that's creating content but tech tools traditionally have been tools to assist the person right not necessarily to replace them right and so When we have all these alternatives like the zooms and so forth those are worker efficiency tools and assistance but again you can't develop the next generation of talent if they're just if they're just a floating head on a box on your screen looking like a brady bunk screen right you don't know who this person is they're nameless and faceless and as much as and this is really a call out to the newer generation of workers as much as it may sound great that, you know, you can wake up at 8.59 a.m., put on a pair, <laughs> leave your pajamas on and go to work, you know, in, in your apartment. The reality is they don't know who you are. Your colleagues will not know who you are in a meaningful way. And it's not just work, but it's also personality. And so I was, if, if I was a younger worker, demand to be able to be in the office. And I, and I know, sure, the commuting may not be always fun and stuff like that, but I, I think it's it's very important. And so you're gonna to continue to see the in-person element. And, and Dottie, that yes. ties in with what we're seeing in office lease demand. You know, it's interesting. When, when you just look at average statistics, you really lose the real meaning, right? It's sort of like cooking. If you make everything an average temperature with an average flavor, it's all bland and blah. Right? right? You need a little spice, you need hot soup, And and you need certain things to be cold, right? But if you average it, it's just blocked. And if you look a little deeper in some of the commercial office stats, what you're seeing is that the high-quality properties are doing quite well. And what what I'm seeing is that um, there's a demand for companies when their leases expire to take on maybe less space but a higher-quality space that has more amenities better location newer building so it's not necessarily that their rental costs are going down but they're making it a more attractive place to work um that, so it's an interesting trend
2: i can't believe you brought that up because i pulled out an article um and it said that manhattan's office market or space market started 2023 with the best month since 2019 Um, It was the strongest since December of 2019. And about 4.4 million square feet of office space was leased last month, which was more than double the 1.8 signed in December and roughly double the 2.2 signed in January of 22. So its office leasing volume was really double the average. And listen to this. More than half of the total signed office space leasings this January came from just five leases, four of which were renewals. okay, um, and the lease that continues with strong activity, but they're, like Steven said, they're in Class A properties, meaning they're new and they're good and they're the best. The older buildings are struggling to attract new tenants and retain the existing ones. So, Steve, you couldn't have said it better. The office buildings that are beautiful and are new are the ones that are going. So if you uh, own a building and it's not in tip-top shape, maybe you want to take some money and invest in getting it there. We'll be right back. We have a quick break, and we'll be talking about... Should you invest in real estate in 2023 or should you buy investment properties? Which is really a big money maker, and so many millionaires made it in buying real estate.
6: Make sure to tune in this and every Saturday at noon to hear The Lead Guy, Nick tomorrow Executive Director and CEO of LEAD, Law Enforcement Against Drugs and Violence, speak with experts, educators, and law enforcement about important issues affecting you and your children. Catch the new show, Battling Drugs and Violence, with The Lead Guy on AM 970 The Answer. For topical information and insights from experts waging the battle against drugs and violence in your community. John Wiley & Sons, Inc. in Hoboken, New Jersey, seeks a technology lead customer data management platform who will lead data management platform plus customer data platform. Implementation project. Design and architecting solutions, among other duties. Telecommuting may be permitted. Qualified applicants must possess a bachelor's degree or equivalent in computer science, statistics, economics, or related, plus five years of experience in job offered or related positions. Interested candidates should apply by mail to S. Kaminsky, John Wiley & Sons, Inc., 111 River Street, Hoboken, New Jersey. Jersey 07030 and reference job 20376.146 JWS is an equal opportunity employer we evaluate qualified applicants without regard to race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity national origin, disability, veteran status and other legally protected characteristics again apply by mail to S. Kaminsky, John Wiley & Sons Inc. 111 River Street, Hoboken, New Jersey 07030 and reference job number 20376.146 Wesley Financial
3: If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information
0: kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252
4: marketing your business is hard it's so competitive and getting new customers is as hard as keeping your existing ones we know it because we're a local business too so when it comes to marketing your business and getting new customers we know how to do it our digital marketing firm Salem surround is built to create customized solutions to your business not your competitors just you reach out to us at salemsaround.com and we'll work with you to create those solutions that will increase your business and bring you new customers salemsaround.com
0: listen to us online at am970theanswer.com tune in iheart alexa or odyssey.com with progressives name your price tool you can find options that fit your budget because giving you options is the right thing to do
1: Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
2: We're back with my co-host for the first hour, Stephen Ebert. But just talking about uh, Manhattan leasing. And uh, as Stephen said, it's the A-1 buildings that are renting um, and that are being taken um, average rents fell in Midtown and downtown year-over-year year by about twenty five a square foot. But Midtown led the borough in terms of leasing volume. So they had the most leases um, in January of this year. They almost tripled uh, the, the, the amount of leases that were signed last January. So look, that's all positive. Uh, Midtown South also saw a significant increase in space leased. The only place they didn't see it was downtown. They saw a decrease in leasing volume. I'm not sure why, Um, but time will tell you. you I'll say, what
3: do you think? I'll say a couple of things that that I'm saying. Number one, first off, for those of you who haven't seen it, when you're in Midtown, go into Grand Central and the new. Um, Long Island Railroad East Side Access is now open. Um, So I definitely recommend for those of you who are in Midtown to see this, and this is, I think, a big boost for Midtown um, office space, where if you just continue to go downstairs, there's a whole lower level, and people from the Long Island Railroad off multiple lines can actually get off the train in Grand Central as opposed to Penn Station which is a very big deal um, for traffic and people flow, subway system and so forth. And my understanding is we're probably about two years away for some of the train lines from Connecticut and Eastern Westchester to be able to go cut through to Penn Station. So I think those are very, very big positives, which are very helpful for the Midtown market. Um, And look, when I think when it comes down to the financial district, Some of the buildings, there's there's a little bit less room. Some of them are older. Um, You don't have quite the same number, although you've seen an increase in people living in the financial district. You know, it's not quite the same vibe. So that would kind of align with these reports. And what's interesting is the constant use to try to change things, right? You know, there is a look at in the South Street Seaport area to see to increase and convert some of these smaller more historic looking offices, maybe to residential space. So I think right now we're in a little bit of moving around and a reset of just what's um, commercial, what's residential, and you're going to see some populations moving around with what's going on.
4: I um, agree. Dottie,
3: I wanted to, I want to mention one thing before I run out of time and forget. We had an update in the New York notary law. Now, normally... Talking about notary laws is not necessarily the most exciting thing that, that, that people have on top of mind. Um, but this is a great update, which will affect a lot of people in a very positive way. So when you go to a notary, what are they doing? Because sometimes people get confused on what a notarized document is if it has special means. Well, a notary is someone who has a license from the state where if they follow the procedure, they can take an oath and have a small ceremony in which they verify that the person signing is in fact the person who signed the document and also in certain cases agreed to that oath. That's the purpose. So a notarized document doesn't make it quote unquote more legal or so forth, but what it does is that for certain documents, an affidavit or a deed where you're transferring ownership or a mortgage where you're giving the bank a lien, those need, because they're such important documents, they do need to have that notarial seal on it so traditionally you'd meet the notary in person they check your id they make sure everything's in order sign appropriately and then they sign and put their stamp on it the law changed january 25th so a little over a week ago that now new york will permit remote online notarization now what that means at its most basic terms and I'll fill in a few more blanks, Dottie, is that through the proper electronic medium, a notary who is based in New York can notarize someone's signature electronically without having to meet them in person. And this is, that is a good very, or bad? very big deal.
2: I know it's a big deal, but like could there be like more fraud that way?
3: Well that's the hope. so that's a great point. So New York just opened up the application, so to be an e-notary, first you have to be a regular traditional notary, and then as part of the application, you have to provide evidence that you have the right technology in place. So you're not going to see all of a sudden on Monday e-notary shops popping up all over the place because it's a pretty robust protocol and we're as a firm we're about to go through that process so it's going to probably take you know a couple of months before you really see this percolate and, and just to give you an idea Dottie, in the application there's a reference to a 75 page standard on proving identification for the person signing so Dottie, this will i think be a very robust software this is not You know, you jump on a Zoom call and you put your driver's license close to the camera and then you prove someone's identity. There's a lot more technology behind it, and we're going to be rolling out in our office a protocol on that so we can accommodate that for our clients. Um, But what's very interesting about it is the person signing does not need to be in New York State. Right? The notary has to sit there at their computer. But let's say, Dottie, you're – you know, if you're in Florida and you say – Steve, I need to notarize a document for my closing. Right. Once we have this set up, no problem. You can be in Florida and I can notarize your signature electronically through this protocol. And you don't even have to leave. And Dottie, for people who have mobility issues, um, people who have, um, you know, know, maybe health issues, who maybe have limited exposure to people, this will allow them to get those notarizations without having to go through the burden of traveling or exposure and dotting the throw one of thing out there. I can even once this is set up notarize someone who's outside of the country. So all those foreign nationals who are looking to purchase property in New York could then go to an e-notary based in New York while they're sitting in their home in the south of France or wherever That's they big.
2: are. That's big. That sounds big, Stephen. So- You're doing it in your firm because you're one of the most progressive firms. Hopefully, will you keep us posted on that?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, we're going through the protocols right now. I think even though the law passed, again, the law went into effect on January 25th. E-notary applications were allowed starting February 1. I think it's going to be a couple of months before everyone gets the technology lined up to make sure that they have the right systems in place because it is a big burden on the notary. We have to record the entire notarization ceremony, Dottie. And by law, we're required to keep that recording for 10 years. So you can imagine that's a tremendous amount of data that we're going to have to hold on to. So we definitely want to make sure the system is set up right in in a sustainable way. But it's, it's going to, it's, so what I would say, you know, taking an older expression out, coming soon to a theater near you, the laws (laughs) in place. (laughs) I love that, Steve. (laughs) And it's coming back. I love that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That, That's that's really cool. So it'll be easier for us to get notarized, but, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, so you really have to deal with firms that really have it little down pat.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so the law is there, and you'll probably start seeing this as an option later this year. It's probably going to take people a couple months or so to just make sure they have their systems in place because you got to be compliant, uh, obviously, and you don't want to roll something out before it's ready. Um, But it'll be great. And I think this is part of the next phase of where we're going to see how government stores data, right? When we record a deed, they still want that wedding signature and so forth. And now that we're having notarizations move electronically, my personal prediction, and then it's not going to happen overnight, but then the next phase is, the county clerks and again each county can be different right New York County can be different than Nassau County different than Westchester different than Albany but I think then you're gonna start seeing the dialogue amongst counties or how do we move over to that new standard too?" Um, which will again really change ultimately the face of how a closing happens right you know we've had a closing for really since you know the beginning of time so to speak in New York but people generally get together, they sit down around the conference room table, you see right. people, you interact with them, they sign, you know, I, I think there's, there's going to be various pressure points to change that. I want to come on different days and different times, according to my schedule, things like that, be more electronic, and we're starting to see the beginnings of that change. Um, I think there are some positives with that. There are also some negatives, right? There's something nice about having that ceremony of seeing who you're buying from, getting the keys handed to you, looking somebody in the eye in case there's a walkthrough issue, right? So, so we still have that. And don't forget. It's going to be interesting. Yeah.
2: So, don't forget, and, sometimes at the closings, the last minute, somebody objects to something, and when everybody's in a room together and the attorneys are all there, uh, I just sometimes think it's easier to work out than if you are not in person. 100%.
3: I mean, I can tell you that personally on on transactions. It's a lot easier to be, you know, tough in an email when you don't have to look somebody in the eye. Um, And then there are ways of working it out. Um, And then also, look, the longer-term repercussions when it comes to business, right? If everything is remote and electronic, it changes the way you have relationship with people. So we're at a very interesting point. This new law is a great innovation for notarization. It's a great convenience for, again, particularly for a New York market where we have a lot of people across the country and across the world. And and we'll see some other protocol changes coming down the pike. And it's all about having the right balance, Dottie. Get that more convenience, but also don't lose that personal touch.
2: Yeah, and that's hard because I even see it with kids. They're sitting right next to each other and they're texting. And someone, can't you speak to each other? No, they rather text. But that's really, really significant. And there's something I heard, and you're not—we're not going to have time to talk about today. And it didn't happen. But you know, I heard that they're, of course, trying to get more affordable housing and things of that nature in the city. They need housing. And I heard that Kathy Hochul is trying to push. It didn't happen. It might never happen making basement apartments legal <laughs> and I you know I you know I just read about it and um, it was just something they were talking about she was talking about but um, there was a lot of opposition to it so that don't don't take that that it's happened or anything or that it might never happen but I think they're trying to come up with a lot of different ways but I sure like the notary thing and I'll personally don't use your firm so I know that it's done right and um, I don't think anybody really knows about that, Steve. I didn't even know about that. And I think that that's, you know, you can listen to our show, Iron Real Estate, and really find out things that nobody really knows yet and what's going on. And I always say somebody who's informed and is knowledgeable is ahead of the game. And you're always on top of it, Steve. Uh, we tried, a question, we a big, and you, you know, won't. And, yeah. You, you, you will are. You know, And maybe for next week, you can finish, but a big question to you, and we'll have a cliffhanger. Is it a good time to invest now?
3: Well, you know, Dottie, that's always a personal question, but but I'll say this, and we can give a lot more data on it. There's so many inputs, but what I would say, and this fits on the same topic again and again, everyone likes to look at average data. Average data is just that. Average. You gotta look and you gotta really do your homework and, 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 and you gotta and you gotta look very deeply. You gotta look at each deal because you know what? In every market, whether it's a strong market, a weak market, a busy market, a quieter market, there are always interesting opportunities. And that's the hard leg work. If you're looking to invest, you have your team Your broker, your attorney, your accountant, your finance, and you make sure you're ready so that way when you find that deal, you can pounce on it. But what you have to do is understand the market and have your investment model, your criteria that you're looking for, and you do that before you jump in. And if you approach it that way, you'll be able to find and create those great deals, which can really lead to wealth creation. They're always out there. You just got to look for them.
2: Yes. I couldn't agree with you. In every market, it doesn't matter what the market is, good, bad, and different, there's always opportunities. You just have to be on it. You have to be informed. Um, I'm going to, in the next couple of weeks, with Steve, talk a little about investment in real estate, like not not only home ownership, but people ask all the time, should I invest in real estate because so many millionaires made money? Or are the prices too high? And you know what? You cannot make a blanket statement. Everything is different. But we're going to try to give you as many tips as we can. Steven, I can't even tell you. You're a wealth of knowledge and I think you're the best. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll be back. We'll be on our second half. We're going to be with Wendy Fetterman. She's a nine-time Tony Award winner for Hair, Pippin, okay, Dear Evan Hansen, hello Dolly, she's an icon, okay, and she's going to tell us what's happening on Broadway. We'll be back right after the 11 o'clock news.
6: Preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty
0: Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn.